Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I, I started off with the RSC, playing tiny parts, and loved it, you know? And I still love it, and... Even though it is a mad, crazy, stupid fucking business. Hi, my name is Jonathan Harden and you're listening to episode 12 of In Anything at the Minute, the Honest Actors Podcast. Another year has gone by and I haven't won a BAFTA. That's this morning's big news. But, as I'm sure you'll know if you've been listening because I haven't stopped going on about it, the blog has been nominated for two UK blog awards. Uh, so that's being judged in the month of February. So February really is the month to get behind the project. Go on the website, www.inanything.com. Have a read of the blog, share the ones that interest you, and uh, you know, leave a comment, start a conversation. But aside from that, there are three things that I would like to remind you to consider doing uh, in support of the project this month. Number one is, if you haven't already, to join the mailing list. There are about half as many people on the mailing list as there are that listen to the podcast. So it'd be great if a few more of you could go to the website, inanything.com, and click the big red button on the front page and join the mailing list. Promise not to spam you. It's really just to keep you informed of important things as and when they happen. Number two, uh, give us a like on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash honest actors or stick in the search bar in anything podcast oddly if you put in honest actors it won't come up but if you put in in anything podcast you'll get a result just give us a like uh, and obviously tell your friends on facebook as well number three and this is a biggie please if you're listening on itunes leave a rating and a review if you can uh, if you don't know how to do that, and like I've said many times before, it is an inexplicably complicated process. Uh, there is a full explainer video on the front page of the website. So if you go to, I'll say it again, www.inanything.com and click play on the video. After a little bit of rambling from me, which by now you should be more than used to, I will give you fairly succinct instructions on how to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. So, all that said, one, join the mailing list, two, give us a like on Facebook, and three, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It's time for episode 12. John Rogan. Enjoy. But first of all, thanks very much for oh, being so kind as to give me your time. Yeah. Um, to get us started, and it's the same as I ask everybody, um, mm. how did you come to be an actor? I did a lot of, um, in Ireland, a lot of amateur work before I... Uh, you know, became professional, and I always wanted to do it. I, I kind of felt, I don't know. I just felt 
I felt fulfilled when I did it, even as an amateur. And actually, I was with a very good amateur group. They were good. Okay, they were still amateur. And I just got a lot of satisfaction from it. And I thought, well, if I get this satisfaction from doing this, why don't I try and do it professionally? And I started off, came over to, to London 48 years ago. Um, so when you uh, look back then, to so go all the way back to the start of that, and you're in uh, Waterford yeah. um, and acting as an amateur, yeah, yeah, there's a love for it that obviously transcends any kind of sense of financial reward or yeah, yeah. isn't motivated by a, a yeah. desire for a career or any kind of progression or trajectory. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you did it back then, do you think you loved it in, in any different sense? Has your has your uh, your relationship with acting changed from then? Has it evolved? Yeah, I'm a little bit more cynical of it. <laughs> I'm a little bit more aware of the stupidity of it in many, many ways. And the, and the sort of, the unfairness of it. But, but there again, there's no point looking at it as unfair. It is a tough business, a very tough business. It is very unfair, but you knew that when you came into it. Yeah. You know, and you still wanted to do it. And I still want to do it, even at my age, and now that I'm following an accident, accident 10 years ago, even though I am disabled, I still get a buzz from it. I really do. You know, and some, some evenings I resent having to go in and do because I'm not feeling very good or I've got a pain in my whatever, wherever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I come home having done it. And I feel great. So... Uh, do you remember... Something wrong with me, maybe, huh? Yeah, perhaps, I think, with all <laughs> Maybe <of> I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, looking back, it just, it, it, it's always worth spending a couple of minutes just about that, that moment of, of beginning. Um, do you remember the first time you were on stage in any capacity? Do you recall that, that exact precise moment? When I, well, I mean, way back where before you came to London. Oh yeah, when yeah. You first got on stage. I do, I do. Yeah. What age were you? What What was? What was I was the about. Play? I was about twenty, I suppose. Eighteen, nineteen, twenty. And living, age, living in Waterford, or I'm living moved. in Waterford, yeah, right, yeah. And I was in, I was in a production of, The Merry Widow. Yeah, I had a very nice part in it, and I got such a buzz from it. It was a huge success because it is, a great piece of, theatre. Yeah, mm -hmm. musical theatre, obviously. Yeah. And it was just, you know, and people kept telling me how wonderful I was. You kind of go, yeah, okay. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. So, so at 20 in Waterford, yeah. how does it arrive uh, to, to, I mean, how do you get to the point where you think this could be a career as opposed well, to being... Uh, well, a lot of people kept saying it to me. And I, you know, I was scared because, you know, you're sort of, you're leaving... You're a sort of a, a big fish in a very small pond. People think you're wonderful there and all that, and you keep working there as an amateur very, very, very regularly. And you think, I'm going to go over to London where there's thousands of actors, you know, and I, I have no connections there and all that. And I've got to sort of dive into this huge pool, you know, and take a risk of having very little of oh, hardly any money, and, you know, and all that, and struggling. You think, oh, God. So what did you do then when you weren't acting to pay the bills at, at 20? Oh, well, when I, was, when I came over here, what I was doing, I was, um, I was doing a lot of house cleaning, 
which I really loathed, <laughs> <laughs> but had to do yes. because you know that, and sort of, sort of wangled that. That's the right word with uh, what I could get from unemployment. It was easier in those days to get an, an unemployment benefit. You know, you, it wasn't as tough as it is today yeah. and all that. And in those days also, uh, fl- you know, having accommodation in London was, was so much cheaper than it is today. I, mean, I don't know how people worked, you know, can do it today. I, I have no idea. It's incredibly difficult. One of the things about these interviews is we don't, uh, I tend not to dwell on jobs because I feel like everybody gets a chance to talk about specific jobs and specific directors and plays and yeah, yeah. but what I do is if I I say to people you know to give because people do like to talk about those things to say um, and it's a it's a huge leap from what we've just been talking about so apologies but if yeah, from that moment in the RSC and that great pr- yeah. pride that you must have had yeah and including everything back home before you came yeah, uh-huh. if you could pick one thing and say do you know what I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that for a reason or a couple of things what would be the project or projects that might first come to mind well I, I don't know I think with, with the where the RSC was concerned was uh, doing what I think was I hope it's a, a fair uh, um, estimation of it I did the most wonderful production of Juno the Peacock that Trevor Nunn in his heyday directed brilliantly with Judy Dench's, I think, the best Juno I've ever seen. Incredibly wonderful performance. Um, I played Joxer in that, uh, which was a great part to play. And it was just, that was, that, 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 that is the first, that and a production of a play called Once a Catholic were the sort of two that sort of got me sort of noticed a bit. I mean, nothing great happened, but at least people knew I was around <laughs> yeah. and, and gave me jobs. Yeah. You know, not great jobs, but jobs that were jobs, you know. When you, uh, when you started, kind of, you came over here, um, what were your expectations as a, as a young man arriving from Waterford to London? Uh, what were your expectations of what, a, what an acting career might look like? And, you know, how unrealistic do you think your expectations were? I don't think I was very unrealistic and all that. But I learned, I learned early on that, that it was a very tough business and there was no point complaining or moaning and all that. But I found it very difficult in the early days, as I think most people do, to put up with the unfairness of it and the, the, the huge disappointments of it. You go along for, you know, for interviews or auditions and you don't get the job. You know, and sometimes you justifiably think that you know, you, you're dead right for it, but the man or the woman who's directing it quite rightly has another idea they want somebody else. It's like that lovely line, isn't it, in, in the film Tootsie, you know, where, where he goes along and, then he's, and he keeps saying, I could do this, I could do that, and they keep saying, we want somebody else. So, um, an ancient once told me that, uh, that the only time an actor's happy, now this says a lot about the agent, and I'm not saying I agree with them, but they said the only time an actor's ever happy is in the five minutes immediately after they get the call. I think that's true. And then from I, minute number six, the, 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 the panic starts. Yeah. What does the, what's the panic for well, the you? The panic is, well, first of all, you, you, you're really thrilled you get the job. And the panic is, oh, fuck, can I do this? <laughs> can I really do this part, you know? 
and will they discover I can't do it and will they sack me and all that and then you think then you, you get over that bit and then you think have I got to do eight shows a week oh my god <laughs> and is there a midweek matinee <laughs> and does he rehearse on Saturdays you know yeah. this, I don't know what it is really um, so I mean did, did you when you first arrived over do you uh, have you since um, enjoyed the process of auditioning I think now I do yeah because I'm so used to it I'm so used to people saying no or sometimes <laughs> yes <laughs> do you know what I mean I'm, I think I'm used to it now and yeah and, and also in a way because I'm older and because I'm disabled I don't mind that much anymore if they say no if they say yes it's great yeah but I'm much more relaxed about it much more philosophical partly because I have to be I suppose because you know when you are in a bloody wheelchair it's bad enough trying to get a job when you're able-bodied and if you're disabled as the, as the word has it you know it's another bloody burden in your way isn't it yeah do you know what I mean yeah. another obstacle I have to overcome. And, I mean, you mentioned the accident now. Uh, after that, how long was it before you, you acted again? Did you think, and did you think that was a possibility? I mean, how long before... I you, hoped it was a possibility. You always held on to that possibility. Yeah, I did, yeah. It was about, I was a year in hospital, I'm trying to remember. I think it was about two or three years after the accident that I started to work again. To, I mean, actually, it was very good casting because he was an old guy and all that. And it, you could easily do it in a wheelchair. But it, it was the first time it was done. Obviously, blind casting aside, that yeah. post-accident, that has really defined the kind of roles you can do. Yeah. The roles that people think you can do. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and do you think... I mean, people are talking a lot at the minute about blind casting for black and minority ethnic actors, so yeah, blind yeah, casting yeah. in terms of gender, and even recently I saw blind casting in terms of age. Um, have you become an advocate for any of those? No, I haven't, actually. Uh, simply because, you know, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I wish that directors could give more work to disabled actors, but I don't think it's... I don't think it's... Um, I don't think it's fair or write and say to a director, you must cast, you know, because of some moral sort of imperative. It's up to him or her, the director. His vision of the play has to be respected. You know, no matter, you may, you may think it was terribly unfair that there isn't, an unf that there isn't a disabled actor in that part. There is, you know, an able-bodied actor playing a disabled man. If the director thinks that's the man or the woman who should play the part, well, I think you've got to respect that. And, but do, you, do you find it frustrating going and seeing, say, for example, watching uh, able-bodied actors in wheelchairs? On no, stage? I don't, no. I don't, no. I mean, obviously, I sit there thinking, I wish I could play. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be better than him. Yeah. You know, he thinks arrogantly. <laughs> yeah. And I probably wouldn't, but that's... <laughs> yeah, but don't we all? Don't we all, yeah, exactly. Um, just going back a bit, um, the whole sense of you say you're more philosophical now, and it's partly yeah, it's partly the accident, but it's also partly age. It's part, it is absolutely it's partly experience, partly age, absolutely. What things uh, have have changed, or what lessons 
have you learned? How do you treat the industry now that's different from how you treat it? Well, I treat the industry now like, you know, I'm, I'm lucky if somebody employs me because of my disability. But the most important thing to me now is, keep, you know, that I'm sort of older and hoping to, li hoping to live <laughs> longer. Uh, you know, the most important thing to me now is the most important thing is to me now is to be well, is to, that my health is good. And as long as my health is good, I'm happy if I don't work. I'm happier if I do work, you know, and all that. But uh, in that sense, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mind not working, you know, because there's more to life than just, you know, doing your job as an actor or doing your job as anything. There's life out there. There's a world out there. Enjoy it and all that. So funnily enough, entangled in all that is the best way I enjoy it is working. Yeah, of course. Crazy, isn't it? Do you think... Is that like an addict? Do you th well, I was going to say, do you think that's an actor's thing? I mean, if you were... Uh, yeah, I do, yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly, I th certainly I think it is, it is an actor's complaint that, you know, you never want to retire. No. You just don't, ever. It's not because you... It's not for any kind of arrogant reason. You just get such a buzz from doing it. And yet you sort of think, this is stupid. Okay, well then let's, 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 work, let's work on that for a sec. What, what is it then that brings you back to acting? What is it that makes you go, I, I love this? What's, what's so special about it? I think it's the adrenaline rush you get from it. I think it's as basic as that in a way, you know? And also the camaraderie of working with other actors who are just like you, whether they're young or old. They want to work and they want to do good work and all that. And it's, it's great. It's wonderful. I mean, most of the cast, well, all of the cast that I'm working with, they're all much younger than me. But it's, it sort of keeps you young in a way. It certainly keeps you young mentally, even if you don't look all that young. Though, mind you, I do look wonderfully young. <laughs> <laughs> the usual interruption from me here. But this week, it's unusually a request for help that has nothing to do with the Honest Actors Project. Well... It's kind of nothing to do, but it is related. A few weeks ago, uh, on a Sunday evening, an actress called Laura Durrell contacted me, asking me to promote, via the social media channels, a project she was starting called It Affects Me. It's very simply a project aimed at reducing the stigma around mental health uh, by everybody just admitting that it affects them in some way. Directly or indirectly, mental illness does affect all of us. So the campaign's very simple. Put hashtag It Affects Me in a post-it note. Stick it to your forehead, take a selfie and post it on social media. You can also uh, donate directly to mine by texting SUPPORT to 70660. So all you've got to do is take a selfie, stick it online, maybe even put on that information, text SUPPORT to 70660. And that way you're donating £3 to mine and encouraging others to do the same. What's not to support? So, like I say, go online, uh, check it out. It's hashtag It Affects Me if you want to search on Twitter. You can also find out more on Laura's website, itaffectsme.co.uk. In the meantime, get those post-it notes on your forehead, get taking selfies, and text SUPPORT to 70660. Back to John. Do you think being an actor for this 48 years in London, do you think it's, it's made you... Uh, in any way, has it improved you as a person? Do you think? I think it has. 
I think it has, and I think it is, like, like you said, it's, I think it is mixing with people, younger people, different people, different races, different people with different attitudes and all that. I think you sort of learn to look at the world in a much more sort of expansive way, you know, in a much more sort of a hopefully intelligent way, and you begin to rationalize your beliefs and all the rest of it. Yeah, I think it's great. So, I think that all that said, have you ever considered giving up? No, never. And I never will because, you know, it keeps me, keeps me going. Yeah, it keeps me buzzing. So I'm what... Not, what you know, what are the things? Uh, are there any? Are there any bad things? I think it is. I think. I think the biggest annoyance is, you do something, and and you know you do it well, and you get great reviews, and people say it's wonderful, and they mean it. They're not just being polite, and maybe some of them are, but people you trust and all that, and then nothing happens for months on end, and all that, and you're suggested by your agent for various things. And nobody wants to know. You kind of go, what do I have to do here? You know. Part of that, though, is, is tied into what we just talked about. It's part, yeah. part of its brilliance is that if you'd done 48 years at the top level in any other industry, you've been retired uh, as a mm. director of a company by now. You know, you would, yeah. But, but, I'm earning a fortune, yeah. But you wouldn't be hanging around with young people and people from various yeah. different backgrounds. And Absolutely. You, and you wouldn't be the person you are. So there's a kind of trade-off. Yeah, it? there is. That there is, there level, is. That level there is, is, yeah. is, a, is a plus. I love the freedom of it. I love the fact that you, you, you're not conditioned sort of by, like you said, a rigid sort of environment and all the rest of it. And I love the madness of it. I love the craziness of it. I love the freedom of it. It's great, yeah. When you weren't uh, when you weren't acting, did you continue to work as a as a cleaner? Did you you know? I did because I had to. And was that always your fallback? I mean, not fallback. It sounds like you, you could have been a professional cleaner, but I mean, was that your uh, your lifeboat in terms of? It was, yeah, absolutely, family? yeah. But luckily enough, kind of, I I was very lucky. Uh, I I did keep working. I mean, in some of the jobs weren't great, but they paid the rent, and you thought, well, I better take this job because. It's not a great job, but I don't really want to do it. But I've got to do it because I've got the rent to pay. And has that know? been your was that your strategy all along? Yeah. I, I know some people would say, "Oh no, I'll wait for work." Some people would say, "Just do the work." Have you always been the kind of just do the work? But that's yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, and some of it was very good, and like I say, some was kind of pretty indifferent, and I was pretty indifferent in the productions as well. I would be the first to admit that, you know. But you did it because. You thought, well, I need the money to, to live, you know? And what choice do you have? All that. I suppose you could be brave and say, no, I have this plan and this confidence. I wish I had that. But I didn't. So, you know, the one claim to fame I can say is, all through the years I kept working, you know? And mostly enjoying it. What kind of plays, if you think about the plays that you go, that's a great play, that's a great play, that's a great, what kind of plays even are, are the kind that you go, I'd love to be in that? Is there a type that attracts you? Yeah, there is. I, I love doing new plays. I love doing new work and seeing if, you know, if, if we can make this new piece of theatre work. I just love that. Uh, funnily, one of the common themes in all these interviews so far is everybody has, pretty much everybody has commented on how much they love new work. 
Yeah, so you it's go my favorites, yeah. So in a rehearsal room then, is it a sense that you're making something new? Yeah, exactly. And making that. something work? You're making yeah, absolutely. You are the create creator is the wrong word. You are the first interpreter. Yeah. Because the woman who wrote man, in this case of Roots for Living a Woman, who wrote it, she's the creator. She created it. But you get you get the chance, you get the first bite of trying to create or interpret her work. Do you, this is, kind of, this is getting more general and philosophical I suppose, do you consider acting an art? I think it's more of a craft than an art. Do you consider yourself an artist? I, I don't think I do really, no. Do you, this is another philosophical and embarrassing question, but I suppose the way of qualifying it is if you were to go back to the young man leaving Waterford uh -huh. um, in his 20s, do you think he would look at your career now and think that I'm a success? By his, by his version? Yeah, I think he would. Do you think of yourself as a success? Well, <laughs> well to, <clears throat> to a degree I do. I mean, the very fact that I made 48 years a living out of it I mean, not a great living, but, you know, I could pay the rent, if you like, <laughs> for 48 years in this, in this mad, crazy business. I suppose it's a kind of an achievement, yeah. And, and also, I think, you know, it's, it's actually a bit more than paying the rent. You learn, you learn to be a better actor. And like we said early on, you learn to sort of mix with younger people, younger ideas, younger ideals. It's great. It's wonderful, you know? Uh if you hadn't moved to London all those many, many years ago, yeah. what do you think you would have found yourself doing in Waterford? I mean, was there anything else laid out for you? Was there an alternative path? Well, when I left, I was selling insurance, would you believe? I was terribly bad at it. I thought it was a lot of old bollocks playing. <laughs> but you just pretended it, was, it wasn't. You know, you were I did, I had to, yeah. Because yeah. it paid good money. But... Uh, what would I be? I think I would be, I don't know, I don't know what job I would be doing, but I think I would be set in my ways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I w because I would be living in, until recently, until very recently, a very conservative society, the small c, uh, you know, and I think I would, to, to, to survive in that society, I would probably adhere to their values. Or pretend to adhere to yeah. their values, do you know? I think that would be terrible. If you could go back to the start of your career uh, and offer yourself advice um, that would in some way shortcut any of the uh, stumbling anxieties, the uh, setbacks, any of the pain or um, confusion that this, as you call it, yeah. this weird, mad, crazy business <coughs> uh, presented to you, what advice might you give yourself? I give myself, have the courage to dive in there, carpe diem, seize the day, go for it baby, you know, you're young, go for it, you're not going to go for it now, you're never going to go for it. Sounds like you did though. Sounds like I thought it, I did sounds in a like way. You did I did, yeah, in a kind of a tortuous way, but then I guess for most of us it would be tortuous, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. You know, especially when you, when your parents thought you were insane, and people, yeah. you know, and, and didn't in the least encourage you. As a matter of fact, discouraged you with, with justifiable reasons in a way. Late 60s, you know, uh, small, yeah. small town Ireland, 
Yeah. And John says, I want to be an actor in London. Everybody says, John, you're mad. Yeah. You're de- you're de- and who do you you're think deluded. you are? You're deluded. Oh, and the who, and the who do you think you who are? Who do you think you are, yeah. Getting above your station. Getting above your station, yeah. Yeah. And and did have you had friends from home ever come over? Or have you, is that is that word very much in your past? Oh, no. I still have friends that come over, yeah. But I find myself extremely different from them now. You know, there's a huge gulf. <clears throat> have you ever been given advice by anybody else that stuck with you? Uh, either by another actor, I know, maybe someone, uh, a contemporary or someone senior to you. Has anything ever stuck that you thought that's a piece of advice worth holding on to? Getting towards the end of this now, uh, have you noticed any changes in the industry uh, since you first entered into it? Oh yeah, there's a huge change. There's, um, it's become, it's always been a young person's business, you know, but it's become more so a young person's business. It really has. And also, it has changed, for instance, uh, uh, the whole thing has moved towards a much, the much, a much more, um, the focus is much more on film and television than it is on theatre. It's where actors now see to come up through that, through that route more than coming up through work. I'm not saying working in reps was necessarily a good thing. I mean, it had good things about it. But, but it, it had good things in the sense that a lot of younger actors trained and learned their craft by doing it. You know, in in rep, and I didn't do much of rep, thank goodness, because it's tough work, and the standards weren't very good in lots of cases. But I think it's I think it's a great shame now that actors don't have that opportunity to sort of learn more. You know, in in the theatre where the actor really is in charge more than a director of a movie or a, a television series or whatever. Yeah, you know? I think it's changed like that. Yeah. yeah. Are you hopeful for the future of the industry? Yeah, I am, yeah. Yeah. Then I'm hopeful for life. Yeah. You have to be. Comes across. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Comes across. Absolutely. Um, And finally, uh, are you in anything at the minute? Yeah. I'm in Rules for Living at the National, which is terrific. John... Thank you so so much. Not at all. Uh, no, I enjoyed it hugely. I'm I'm going to leave here a little bit a little bit smilier, a little bit more positive. Uh, well, thank you. With a little bit of a spring in my steps. So yeah. Thank you very much. Not at all, man. Thank you. You're welcome. That's it for another fortnight. Just a few things to say. You'll not be surprised to hear before I go. Uh, firstly, uh, if you're looking for inspiration for other jobs to do between acting jobs, things that are uh, a little less depressing and a little less soul destroying than your average job, then check out uh, a new regular feature that I'm putting together for the stage. It goes out every Wednesday called My Other Job. You can also find more information about that on Twitter again by searching hashtag my other job. Loads of stuff. There's some blog articles related to it, but every Wednesday morning on the stage website for the time being, and hopefully soon enough in print, the uh, my other job section will be going on. There's already two online. I think they're well worth checking out uh, because even going through them, I found it very interesting to find some things I didn't even know existed as jobs uh, and are totally suitable for actors in that they either allow you to use performance skills or uh, they give you industry-relevant opportunities. So check it out, my other job on the stage.co.uk. 
A little reminder as well before I go, the three things I asked you at the top of this episode. Number one, join the mailing list. You can do that on the website, inanything.com. There's a big red button at the top that says join us. Number two, give us a like on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash honest actors, or if you're searching, search for In Anything Podcast. And then, of course, share the posts, tell your friends, and hopefully you'll generate a few more likes for the page as well. Finally, number three, give us a rating and a review if you're listening on iTunes. To find out how to do that, again, go to the website, www.endanything.com and press play on the video on the homepage. That's it. No more requests for help from me for a fortnight. You'll be glad to hear. Until then, when I'll be back with episode 13, have a great few weeks. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.